Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Could the Bucks shut down Jameis Winston for the rest of the season? A big trade in the NFL and a surprising name emerges in the Gators coaching church. All that on this edition of the Rick and Tom podcast. We are Rick and Tom. Tom Jones, Rick Straub. Tampa Bay Times. Thanks for listening. Hope you're subscribing, telling your friends to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also hear us on TampaBay.com and on SoundCloud. We're here every day. And now, a couple of days removed from the Bucks' abysmal loss to Carolina on Sunday. And all the questions now as they head into this week, getting ready for New Orleans, revolves around the status of quarterback Jameis Winston, that wonky shoulder of his. Rick, you wrote about it in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. The Bucs, uh, they have a job to do here, keeping a close eye on Winston going forward here, right? Yeah, they do. And, I, I mean, they've, they've kind of been keeping an eye on him. But, um, you know, in this case, you know, he had a great game two weeks ago. I say great game. He had a great half at Buffalo um, after the injury. He didn't practice until Friday of that week. And then they kept the same same routine last week. And yet we saw him go out there on Sunday and miss some throws. Now, it was windy. Um, Dirk Cutter has said that there's no way to, there's no way to measure that, you know, how much, how much he was affected. I mean, it was the exact same as the week before. And I believe that Jameis played one of his, one of his better games against Buffalo. And it was exactly the same as that. So, you know, how much, how, how do you put a measurement on that? I, I don't know the answer to that. It was a poor performance by Jameis and, and others, obviously. Um, and the, the feeling is at one buck place that, they would like to see him practice uh, on Wednesday, and he hasn't done that. Now, nothing's changed with the injury, so it seems to me if the last two weeks, you know, the trainers or doctors said, hey, no throwing until Friday, I'm not sure what would be different about this week unless it's calming down somehow. Right. Although we've, we've been told that he's taken some hits on that shoulder. Including so, this, including one, another one on Sunday, apparently, that enough that Ryan Fitzpatrick was told to get ready for a moment, right? That's right. I mean, um, Dirk Cutter said that he, he saw the hit. He saw Jameis holding his, his arm or his body funny and actually told Ryan Fitzpatrick to get warmed up. And, uh, you know, Jameis didn't come out of the game. He finished the drive. He finished the game. Um, so, you know, I think where this is headed, Tom, and I, I, I mean, uh, everything will be, won't be determined until Wednesday. They're keeping an open mind about it. They haven't made any final decisions. And, you know, clearly if Jameis can go, um, then, then he'll start. But the feeling is that the timing, you know, he got away with it at Buffalo, but the timing suffered as a result of him not practicing. Um, and that maybe, you know, it's time at least for a week um, to, uh, you know, start somebody else that is practicing and see if you can't, you know, get things going. It's not about Jameis isn't performing well. He's, he's the least of their problems right now, frankly, although, again, three turnovers, he didn't have a great game. Um, but maybe, maybe you take him aside and let him, let him heal up, you know, and maybe you let him get a little healthier so that maybe he can practice every week, uh, until that shoulder's in a position where it, the soreness isn't so much. Now, you know, Dirk Cutter told me there's three things. First and foremost is, is what the medical staff says. I mean, that's for every player, but you know, Jameis is at the front of the list. And that's a decision they can't make only, you know, it's a medical decision. Second, 
is the player. The player knows if he can go or not. Well, I, I got to believe Jameis is always going to feel like playing. Absolutely. You know, um, there's very there's very little of him that isn't like ready to go. No matter how much pain he's in, he's a tough guy. And then third, uh, when we watch him practice, if it doesn't look like they can go, or it looks like they can't go at a at a uh, success rate good enough for us to win, we would always hold him out. But we haven't had any of those things. And that part, you know, is subjective, and and they'll only know that when he does throw. So. Um, I still think that Wednesday is going to be a big day. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, if he can't practice and he can't practice Thursday. I asked, you know, Dirk, well, what scenario? And those were the three he gave me. So he really wasn't clear about their thinking. I just get the feeling that we're getting closer to a time when they might say, you know what, for a week at least mm-hmm. or maybe two, let's see what happens if we have a healthy quarterback playing on, on Sunday. I can understand a dilemma that they're facing right now, Rick, for two reasons. One, it was windy on Sunday, and I'm not using that as an excuse, but I watched that game. I was there. We were both there. Cam Newton didn't look good either. Oh, he was terrible. And I thought the wind had a lot to do with that. There were some long passes in that game where the ball just simply floated or wobbled Mm -hmm. and didn't go where it was supposed to go. The other problem with Jameis, Rick, is he's never accurate. (laughs) He's not that kind of quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to, that you can look at him and say, well, he's a seven, he's normally a 70% passer, but the other day he wasn't, you know, he had had some balls that were dropped as well. That could have maybe changed Mm -hmm. things a little bit. But when I watched Jameis the other day, he didn't look right to me, quite frankly, but there's Mm -hmm. also a, a part of me that says, well, he's never totally accurate. I'm curious to see if he can play Sunday in a environmentally controlled situation like the like the Superdome, where you don't have to worry yeah. about the wind right. and 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 maybe at that point you can get a little bit better gauge of of how healthy he is. And I would think, Rick, when you look at this, two and five, it's not good. And I buried him in the paper on on Monday, but certainly they're not giving up. And they win again no. on Sunday. They're three and five, and we talked about this yesterday. That's where they were a year ago, three and five. So it, they're not dead in the water, but I think the deeper this goes, and they go two and six or two and seven, then and he's he, he apparently is not getting any better. Then you shut him down. But for now, yeah, I keep putting him back out there. I think. Well, and I, and I think that's what they want to do. I mean, I think they want him to play, um, but I I also think they want him to practice. And you mentioned you know the wind was a factor. I'm not sure those are the throws they're looking at though. You know. Yeah. Um, what he said was there were throws that he would normally make. And what that, that says to me is those are the simple ones, you know, the hitches, the slants, the, mm-hmm. you know, guys, not not the down the field necessarily, those kind of throws that the, that the wind may affect. And so I'm guessing that he, when, he, when you talk about timing, you're talking about guys coming out of breaks, the ball being in the air, stick routes, hitches, you know, those kind of things that he should hit and does hit, you know, and has hit all year long. So if they're seeing, uh, you know, inaccuracies there, maybe that has their concern. But it's really, it's one good and one bad, right? So maybe this one will decide whether, um, you know, he needs the practice time. And if he can't practice, then he's not going to be sharp enough to play and win. Um, you could very well be right. I mean, I know the, 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 the desire is to play him. He certainly wants to play. And, heck, he may even go out there on Wednesday whether he wants to or not just to prove he can play. Um, but no decision is going to be made until them. It's just, I tell you, talking to Dirk Cutter, and I know, I know this business. These guys spend a hundred hours a week trying to put in a game plan. They pour in everything, and then when it doesn't go well, and you lose four weeks in a row, that's a tough place to be. I mean, think about it, Tom. They'd have to win for a month nearly just to get back to five hundred. Right. Okay. 
So, but you're right. The season's not over. We talked to Chris Baker today, and if you remember, um, you know Baker was with the Washington Redskins in RG3's first year. Uh, I think it was 2012, and at one point they were three and six, and they won their last seven games, finished ten and six, won the division. You know that's when RG3 got hurt, but he was rookie of the year, and they lost to Seattle in the wild card. So there are examples of teams getting hot. I just don't. I don't have a good feeling about. You know the Bucks really playing together and playing this complimentary football that they keep talking about. They're not getting turnovers. They're not getting sacks. Um, it really feels to me like, and and in a weird way, stay with me on this one. Yeah, I don't think it would be a horrible thing for a football team to know they don't have Jameis this week. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I think that this team has fallen into a trap of Jameis will make a play. You know, it's Mm -hmm. all on Jameis. If we give up a long drive for a touchdown, Jameis will get us right back in the game. Um, If, you know, uh, you know, we drop a pass or we have a holding penalty and it's first and 20, Jameis will get us back and get us ahead of the sticks again. He'll make a play. And everything seems to be on the guy, which is why he's pressing at times to make plays. And I think why he did so on Sunday is that nothing was, you know, the, the running game's not helping him. The receivers aren't always helping him. The offensive linemen certain aren't, aren't helping him. It just seems like, and there's a lot on every quarterback in the NFL, but it seems like there's more on this guy. And so if you if you removed him from the equation for a good reason, not for one other than we think this will help him stay healthy um, for the long term, but the team would know, look, we're playing our backup quarterback. Okay, We can't expect a Ryan Fitzpatrick at this stage of his career to carry us and make all the plays. So we're going to have to get turnovers. We're going to have to do our part running the ball. We're going to have to, you know, um, find other ways to win on special teams, on whatever we can do, because you know that that you don't have this beast at quarterback that you think is just going to, you know, turn it on when he needs to. I think there's something to that. I remember in all the years I covered the National Hockey League and the, and the Lightning back when they were really bad, they would have back-to-back games. And the second night – they would play like a really good team, like a, like the Penguins back when they had Lemieux and those guys. And sure. they'd play their backup goalie the second night, and you thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a slaughter. And the rest of the team would bear down. The next thing you know, it's 1-1 you know, with four minutes left because the right. team decided, like, hey, hey we, we can't let this leave this guy hanging out to dry. Rick, I got some emails the last uh, – actually on, um, on Monday – Got some yeah. emails from people saying, too. <laughs> "Hey, <laughs> well, they, a couple of people say, hey, you know, it might not be a bad idea if you're Dirk Cutter and Jason Light are trying to keep their jobs. Go ahead and shut Jameis down for the year. I wouldn't put that past anybody in the National Football League. Rick, I don't think we're at that stage. I honestly don't believe that anybody's giving up on this season or thinking that far ahead. I think Dirk Cutter still believes they can, they can win this season. It's going to take a big turnaround, but I'm not sure I'm ready to buy that conspiracy theory just yet. No, and I I don't know that those discussions are ever out loud. Um, Right. I do think that, you know, in fact, I know because we we talked to Dirk and asked him this question uh, along those lines. Do you think that there's enough season left for you guys to accomplish everything you want to accomplish? Meaning, can you win eight out of nine or, you know, whatever it takes? And emphatically, he said, yes, I do. And the reason he does is the guy's, you know, he's, he's a freaking competitor. I mean, 
you don't make it to this level as a coach, as a player, not thinking any other thing except that we can beat anybody in front of us, you know? And look, I mean, the schedule is what it is. I mean, you, you know these teams in NFC South. You've beaten all these teams at one point or the other in the last couple of years, with the exception of getting swept by New Orleans last year. But you know you're capable of playing with them any place. And the thing is, is that you've also got games against the Jets, against Miami, um, Green Bay without uh, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are no really monster teams um, short of the ones you're going to play in the NFC South. So, right. you know, I, I think that I think they, they do feel like, you know, get one, get a victory. Well, there you go. You, you hit it right there, Rick. It's not that, hey, we have to win eight out of nine. It's we got to win Sunday against Norris. Yeah, exactly. When you look at when you look at it climbing Mount Everest, it looks daunting. But take sure. one step, take one step. That's that doesn't right. seem so daunting, and that's what they're going to have to. And, and I, it's such a cliche: one game at a time, one game at a time. They all said it. It's exactly yeah. right. You can't win eight games on Sunday. You can no. win one though, and that's I'm that's sure right. how they're looking at it. Um, and, and good news. I don't know. Is is there any good news coming in terms of like Brent Grimes or no? Any... <laughs> in, in fact, in fact, uh, Dirk Cutter said that Brent is improving, but uh, not sure if he'll be able to go this week. Rarely does he announce on Monday that you know there's concern about a guy who already missed a game that that may not be able to play on Sunday. So uh, I think about that for a minute. You know, while the wind hurt Jameis Winston and hurt Cam Newton. It helped the secondary with Ryan Smith and Vernon Hargraves. I mean, those guys, you know, look like freaking Deion Sanders on Sunday because a lot of those balls just weren't competitive. And right. the what we know about Drew Brees is what Raheem Morris told me a long time ago, the great Raheem Morris. We want to be our best selves. Um, said some other race to ten. Said some other things too. But he said that uh, what he really what he really knew about the Saints and he knew about Drew Brees was this. He's going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. I don't care when you play him or where. He's yeah. throwing for 300 and three touchdowns. So going into it, knowing that, um, you know, they're not going to have the same, the same kind of game that they had against Carolina. For all the good things, perceived or otherwise, that those corners did on Sunday, um, it's going to get much, much harder in the Dome against the Saints. The times, the times they've had success against Drew Brees is when they put a lot of heat on a lot of pressure. I, that game, I believe it was uh, two years ago up in New Orleans, mm-hmm. that sort of sent Drew Brees into a funk because they beat him up in that game, and and that's mm-hmm. all. And they've had success in the past against Drew Brees at times, even the years they won the, the year New Orleans won the Super Bowl. Um, trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday in the National Football League, but the big trade came down on Monday. Rick Jimmy Garoppolo traded from the New England Patriots to the San Francisco 49ers second round pick. And so it could turn out to be a pretty good pick. It could be, you know, like the 33rd pick or so the overall pick. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the Garoppolo aspect of this in a second going to San Francisco and what this means for the 49ers. Here's the part that I find totally fascinating, Rick. Apparently the New England Patriots are all in on Tom Brady for at least two or three more years, it would appear. They have nobody else, as we're recording this podcast, they don't even have another quarterback on the roster at this point. And you would assume they're going to go out and pick up like a Brian Hoyer or somebody, somebody who's yeah, actually into it. He, yeah, he's going to be gone. Right, but um, but the fact that that Tom Brady has said I want to play till forty five, we all thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like yeah, they, he is going to play till he's forty five, and New England's all in on him playing till he's forty five. Well, a couple things. One, they couldn't sign Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Okay, so he was going to become a free agent. They've tried right. to sign him. They couldn't get a deal done. And I'm sure there's a part of Garoppolo wondering, well, how long is this guy going to play? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if you already sat on the bench for four years and you feel like you're capable of being a starter in this league, you may not want to, you know, watch him break all the age records. Uh, he doesn't seem to be slowing down, you know, and now he has the diet and the whole deal. So from Garoppolo's standpoint, it makes sense. The the the, the Patriots couldn't re-sign him. So, yeah, um, they're going to always try to get compensation. And as you mentioned, you know, they got a pretty high draft pick. Who's to say that they can't parlay that and try to draft a quarterback themselves? Sure. Um, but it is it is a vote of confidence for Tom Brady that, you know, he's not only good for this year, but but certainly probably next year and, and beyond. I thought um, Grapple would be the guy, Rick, that sort of forced Brady out to the point where we've always heard Belichick. Belichick gets rid of people mm-hmm. a year or two before they're done, and yeah. even maybe Tom Brady would be that one of those guys. Still could happen. In the next yeah. couple of years, they could have franchised Garoppolo. Now that, that would be crazy to to franchise a a backup quarterback. That's a lot of money on a quarterback. It's a lot of money, and all of a sudden you're spending like a crazy 30, money on 30 two quarterbacks, million dollars, yeah. right? But uh, but the fact that they said, well, you know, let's get something out for Garoppolo. If they draft somebody, it's going to take another year or two to develop that guy. Maybe yeah. by that point. But Tom Brady, I don't doubt that he can do it, though, Rick. That's the thing. The, a lot. No quarterback has ever played well into his forties and been successful and healthy and put up the type type of numbers that Tom Brady's going to put up. I believe. But if there's anybody that can do it, it's Tom Brady. I I, I have I don't think this is a bad idea <laughs> for the Patriots to do this because I have every confidence in the world that Tom Brady will continue to play at an elite level for another two or three years because he's a freak. Uh, I also don't think. I mean, again, I don't think they had a choice with Garoppolo. I just you know right. he wasn't going to he wasn't going to sign a contract. Um, so you can watch him walk away for free agency, um, or you could do this. And, and, you know, the other thing we don't know, and I've often wondered about this, and I think we've talked about it before, is does Brady actually leave the game or go to another team uh, like a Joe Montana did or whatever, even though Joe was nowhere near what Brady's age is right now? I think Joe was 38. But does he, does he leave, or does Belichick say, eh, I'm out too? In other words, will Belichick – coach a year two years any years without tom brady or do they does he go when when tom is is had enough i don't think either one cares what the other guy does that's the sense i get that tom brady's going to keep on playing until he's done playing and bill belichick's going to keep on coaching until he's done and if it happens to be at the same time it's merely a coincidence but tom brady if he wants to keep playing after the age of 42 and bill belichick wants to move on to another quarterback tom brady will go somewhere else and play He's uh, he's a freak, I'm telling you, and, and he wants to put up numbers that nobody will ever catch. I think the guy wants to win six, seven, eight Super Bowls. I'm also curious, Rick, if either one, as much as they respect each other, if either one would like to go and win one without the other. If there's any part of them that has such an ego that even though they've done these wonderful things together, how cool would it be? Because there's always been the argument, is it Brady or is it Belichick? Right. Wouldn't both of them, you think, deep down, would say, yeah, it's been great, but man, I'd like to win one without the other guy. You know. Well, here's what's unfair about that: is that it'd be much easier for Bill Belichick to coach a football team at his age than it is for Tom Brady to expect him to win another Super Bowl at his age. True. I mean, first. Of- hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. 
Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, how many guys have won five? Uh, nobody. Just him. <laughs> okay, so... Now we're going to say, well, see, he couldn't win without Belichick. The guy's freaking 49 years old. I mean, you know, <laughs> not many guys can win any games, you know, whether they're coached by Belichick or Don Shula. It really wouldn't matter. So it's 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 going to be unfair on Brady's point. I mean, it'd be remarkable if he could go someplace else and win. But I don't think that secret sauce is going to be anywhere else. And I don't think by the time he does go away, that he's going to have a lot left in the tank, no matter what diet he's on. Although he can handpick the situation, perhaps he's not going to go to a team that's he's not going to. Well, he's not. What my point being, he's not going to go to a team that's like a, like a Cleveland Browns. He's not going no, to do that. No, he that's would go true. to a, he would go to a team that's that that appears yeah, fairly ready. One quarterback to, away. Yeah, he might fi- also find himself in a situation. I could see this happening, Rick, where he. He maybe he retires and and then sort of sits on the sideline waiting for Aaron Rodgers to get hurt or the um, uh, Ben Roethlisberger to get hurt and then step into that situation and and, and win. You know. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, it just strikes me as like he's not going to be a Brett Favre guy. I mean, I, it strikes me that if he if he wants to continue playing and somehow the Patriots tell him they don't want him anymore, that you know he'll go and he'll play and then when he's done playing, I think he's going to be done. I, I just because he pours so much into it. Um, I don't see how he would maintain training and throw into Giselle on the side, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> I just, I don't see that happening. I mean, I could be wrong. They may have to pull the jersey off of him. I mean, it's so funny that, and this is this is true to me. I, and I, you wouldn't think it would be the case, but I have found in my personal experience that the greater the player, the harder it is for them to ever quit. They never know when to leave the party. They just stay too late. It's almost universal, in my opinion. And we are, yeah. we're always the ones sitting there saying, why don't you walk away? you got nothing left to play for. Why do you want to? Right, right. You walk, out on, walk out on top. You know, leave, right. Leave now. It'd be the, and very few guys. You're, very you're right, very few. few guys. Meantime, but as far as Belichick goes, I think Belichick knows nothing else. This is what he would want to do. Somebody once told me, Mike Farber, who was a great hockey writer for, yeah, I know Mike. for Sports Illustrated, he said that he was doing a story one time about Jacques Lemaire, who I used to cover up at the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> and he said Jacques' perfect world is there are there are no fans coming to the game. In fact, there are no players. He would just look at a board and move pieces around a board, and he would get off on that. And I think that's the way Belichick is. Belichick, he just likes to coach. I, I could see him going on and coaching for another decade or so um, and, and be perfect. And I think he likes the innovation of it. I think he likes being – the guy who's who's one step ahead of everybody, even though if he walked away right now, we would say he's the greatest coach in NFL history. But uh, speaking of coaches, Rick, a surprising name came up in the Florida Gators coaching search. It's just a rumor that's going out there. Willie Taggart, former former USF coach Willie Taggart, he's now at Oregon. Part of the reason is he's got a cheap buyout in Oregon, which I think says a lot right there. Rick, he's a heck of a recruiter. Don't know that he can coach on Saturdays, which is a bit of a problem since college games are played on Saturdays. Uh, but he's a good recruiter. I bet he would love the Florida job. I just don't know why Florida would be interested in him. Do you? Coach T, drive this bus. Um, <laughs> Have a great I, day if you want to. That's right. 
no, this makes no sense to me for a couple reasons. One, he's been at Oregon for 10 minutes. Um, and while he's there, he hasn't won a ton of games. Am I right? What are they, 4-4? Four and four? I think they're like 4-4, four and four, something like that. They're, yeah, I know they're I mean, like three or four touchdown underdogs this weekend. I mean, that can't you know, be they, good when you're a three or four under three or four touchdown underdog. They fired Mark Helfrich because he wasn't getting it done. Chip Kelly's been gone for a while, and all I know is that they're winning less games than they ever have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, if he was brought there to restore, you know, the uh, the Ducks uh, walk or whatever, whatever they call it. I mean, I, I he just hasn't <laughs> he hasn't done it. Um, but he's been there, like I said, ten minutes. And then the other part of it is, um, you know, other than the fact he's from the state of Florida and he has recruited here, I guess somewhat successfully. Maybe Quentin Flowers being his greatest example. Um, do I mean, is he the only coach that can recruit the state of Florida? I mean, do we think do we think that he was so good? Um, I'm trying to remember the number of championships he won when he was at South Florida. I mean, I don't, you know, I know they had one really, really good season, like eleven and one or something like that, right? Um, or ten and one, but I don't remember them putting any banners out anywhere. So I'll say this though: he got he got some kids to flip from USF to Oregon, which I that's a same reason he left to go to Oregon. It's a better probably yeah. better place to be. But he also got some kids to flip from FSU to Oregon. He couldn't get them to go to USF over over Florida State, but he yeah. could entice them to go to Oregon over Florida State, which tells me that that he makes an impact on kids that they want to play for. Well, I, apparently he's in the mix. I mean, I mean you you know that name is, is surfaced and and it's not. I mean, it's not a horrible. I mean, look, he just got a really good job. So. Right. There's obviously interest in him. So it would, you know, would Florida trump Oregon in his mind being from I think the it's state? a better job. Florida's a better job than Oregon. Yeah, me. I agree. I think the recruiting ability is, is probably higher. So from that standpoint, yes. Is Oregon ready to let him out? Are they ready to buy him out after one season? Apparently it's a cheap buyout. It's a cheap buyout. It's, well, it's, I know it might be a cheap buyout, but by the same token, like, I mean, surely if he came to them and said, I want to be here, I want to be, I got a chance to coach Florida. They're not going to make him coach, you know. But no, but they'll want by the, the money. Token, by, <laughs> I know, but by, by the same token, you know, it's like, you know, is it, does he feel any responsibility to maybe you know be there more than one season? That could you know, what be if the they thing lo- what if they like him? What if they say, well, we like Willie Taggart. That's why we hired the guy, right? You know, this I, this thing with Florida is going to drag out for a while. There's no hurry unless you want to beat everybody to Chip Kelly. And I'm not sure there are a bunch of people beating down the door for Chip Kelly at the moment. But isn't there a hurry for recruiting? There is, but if you're really interested in a guy like a Scott Frost or Justin Fuente or somebody who's already yeah, but got see, a that's, good that's job, the, yeah, but that's it's probably beauty. just a little too early that those guys aren't aren't going to probably talk to you just yet. You might have to wait right. another month or so. That's right, but but and a lot of people will fire their coaches the day after the season or the day of the last game or whatever. But you, every but Scott Frost and his representatives know right now. They know today. <laughs> They do that. That's a possibility. You know what I'm saying? And you can already be talking to his agents and you can already be planting the seeds about him coming. I don't think it's going to take Florida long if they wait to the end of the season to have their coach. I'd be, I mean, what, that's the only advantage to firing McElwain now is that you, you know, you're in the market and everybody else knows you're in the market for one as well. Right. A lot of buzz about Scott Frost. Gator fans want Scott Frost. They see what he's doing. That's at who, that's who I like would him. want. That's what I who that's who I would want. I'm all, I'm all on board on Chip Kelly just because I think it would be a blast with Chip <laughs> Kelly. But there there's some red tape with 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 uh, Chip Kelly. There's there are SEC rules about show cause. He had some some NCA problems at at Oregon. 
But ah, what's a little NCAA investigation here and there? If you win 11 yeah, games, I go guess. to a good bowl game, what's the matter? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> exactly. Did you watch it? Have you been watching this World Series? Oh, my gosh. Well, I have up until the point when I realized I got to get up in three hours. I mean, can we just okay, can, okay, look, five I, ended at one thirty nine in the morning? I know. Eastern I mean, this is there. great if you live in Honolulu, you know, like you can stay up till eight or nine. I, I mean, I get the fact that that, you know, one team is in California and the other one's in Houston. So neither one are in the eastern time zone. Having said that, I mean, could you have to start these games so late? And it's just, it's such an investment. I mean, and this I is get a, the prime time. I get advertisers want to advertise in prime time. I understand during the weekdays, you don't want to play day games. But why not play day games during the weekends? I know that you're afraid to go up against the NFL. You're going up against the NFL anyway. NFL's from, the, from 930 on Sunday morning until midnight, there was an NFL game on. You were going to run into the NFL no matter it's what. 14 hours of programming, yeah. Right. Because there was a London game on Sunday, That's and then right. there was a Sunday night football game. So you were going to run into the NFL no matter what. Imagine if that game had started at 4 o'clock. It was a five-and-a-half-hour game. It would have ended at 9.30. I still believe there's a there. that's partly why the NFL is so successful, is that it's played at times where everybody has access to it, including young people. And even the greatest moments in NFL are the Super Bowl. Those games are over by 9.30, They o'clock. start at 6.30. Right. 6.15. And these games, we were we were going crazy after game one. Like, oh, this is old-time baseball, two and a half hours. The game ended before the 11 o'clock news. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the only game that's done that. Every other game has gone, and including this one. It was extra innings. I get that. But it ended at one thirty nine in the morning, Rick. Who's watching it at one thirty nine in the morning? Well, everybody, I was, but... <laughs> everybody in Houston, everybody, yeah. and everybody yeah. in Los Angeles, which because are two of the was... four biggest markets in the country. Yeah, it was it was ten thirty in in Los Angeles, but but your point is right. I mean, the NFL everybody's afraid of Sunday, and and you know it's the old line from you know concussion where you know it, it, they have their own day. It used to be long to God, you know. It now um, no one can go up against the NFL, but I mean, I think people would have watched this World Series no matter when they played it. It's been terrific, and now. Um, as you watch all these baseballs fly out of the ballparks, you know, first it was about the, you know, the heat in L.A. and, <laughs> you know, the ball's going to carry. And then, OK, what's your excuse with the roof closed in Houston? But now, you know, Tom Verducci and I guess some others have, have seen the, the baseballs and the pitchers are complaining that these things are all slicked up to the point where these pitchers can't get any bite on their sliders and these balls, I mean, they're, they're sitting in the middle of the plate for these guys to knock out of the park. I mean, is there any sport? Let me just ask you this question. I'm forgetting, forgetting deflate gate and all that for a second. Right, right, but is right. there any sport where you can manipulate at least, if not the, if not the final score, you can manipulate that there is a lot of scoring or no scoring based on the baseballs you hand the pitchers that day? No. No, there's no other. You can't do it in basketball. Basketball. You, yeah, you the hoop's still hockey. 10 feet. The, 10 you know, feet. The, yeah, the puck's not going to be lighter. The right. ice could be chunkier, I guess. But, yeah, but that, everybody has to play on that. But everybody but has to play on it. You're right. My theory on baseball isn't that. It, they met, now, the pitchers clearly know more than me because they're throwing the baseballs and they're saying it's like. Well, look at the pictures. But here's the other thing I'll say about about the about the baseballs. I don't think they're being made, but who makes baseballs? Rawlings, Spalding, or whoever whoever makes it? I'm telling you, who's making these baseballs? Titleist is making these baseballs. <laughs> I think they're I think they're golf balls, is what happened. I think the balls are juiced. 
Well, I think there's something about that. I mean, you can cut into them too and figure that out. You know, there's guys I mean, taking one-handed swings. Springer, yeah. Springer sw- swung one-handed the other night and hit it into the into the balcony in left yeah. field. It was ridiculous, but it's been fun. I'll t- I'll give them that. It's been a whole lot well, of fun to watch. And that's and and listen, it would it surprise you? And it's funny because everybody was raving about was it game one that lasted about two hours and twenty minutes or something right. like that. Three one game, was, yeah. old school. Yeah, that was a good old fast ball game. But it, I mean, what is what is the biggest complaint about baseball? It's boring. It, yeah. Is that it's boring? And chicks dig the long ball, and yeah. we want to see scoring. We don't want to see two to one or three to two. So here comes these two teams, and and the baseballs are suddenly funny. And, right. and I just I find that to just be hysterical and not coincidental. I'm a. There are certain things I have conspiracies about, and certain things I don't. But I'm telling you, this one, this one smells really, really bad. To I'm me. just looking at the balls that are flying. I a guy cranks up and catches one, squares one up, whatever, and hits one a thousand miles. I get that, but when when you have guys taking like bad swings and yeah. hitting them out, then clearly it, it feels like something. But it's fine by me because this this series has been great. I love these two teams. I love the the yeah, the personalities on both teams. I love the back and forth. That game five was as good a baseball game as I've ever seen. Just a swing and emotion. And you know what's interesting? And I don't remember this before with World Series. Tell me if I'm wrong. I've never, like, you know how you go see a regular baseball game and somebody has a walk off or something happens and you go, my goodness, they're celebrating like it's game seven of the World yes. Series. <laughs> every game has been celebrated, every pitch, every home run, no matter what inning it came in, like game seven of the World Series. Yes. I've never seen, this is like watching the college World Series almost in terms of the, of the guys on the bench. I mean, this has really been, they are so into every single pitch the, in the intensity you can feel the nervousness you can you can see just unbridled joy of playing the game and 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 just the you know you know take that okay watch this you know i can top that i mean it's just been that that to me watching their reactions is as exciting as anything here's the thing rick you covered football for a million years i've covered hockey for a million years those were our main beats but both deep down you and i are both baseball guys that that's oh, our yeah, favorite no favorite sport and uh, and the old school in me doesn't like it. Doesn't like all these guys are jumping around like it's in you know, Korea the other yeah. day. Was Act like, like you've been there before. Uh, but that's it's not. This is not for me. If you're going to attract mm. younger people to the game, my son, I was watching a game with my son who's 20. Yeah. He loves it. He thought this was great and he thought it was exciting. And I started to come around on it. I'm like, you know what? If guys are showing that kind of enthusiasm, that kind of passion. And it's good for the sport. Then, all by all means, do what you want. Celebrate right. however you want. And you're right. I tell you what. I've, I Stanley Cup playoffs are awesome. Overtime in the Stanley Cup playoffs are awesome. Oh, it's phenomenal. Having a football team with two minutes left, trying to drive down the field. Watching the end of that Ohio State Penn State game. Ohio State gets the mm-hmm. ball and going down. That those are fun moments. But there is nothing. There is nothing like the tension of a of a postseason baseball game. Mm-hmm. Like we and particularly like we saw in Game Five, where every pitch you're like this could be it right here. That it's my I think it's the best thing in all of sports postseason baseball. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's been terrific, and I you know I I think it's going to go Game Seven because I think that's what Major League Baseball wants. I hope it does because <laughs> if it don't, are you are you got the NBA conspiracy here? And it's it's all rigged. Hey, listen. <laughs> Is there revenue involved? Is anybody making money if they go seven games? A couple bucks, yeah. Why well, yeah. hope it go? I hope it goes seven. Because can if it you does, imagine a game? I mean, this this is a World Series that deserves a game seven, does it not? Sure, absolutely. This reminds yeah. me. This is 
This reminds me, and for for people who who are old enough to remember the nineteen seventy five World Series, which oh god is probably the greatest World Series ever played, at least in in our lifetimes. They uh, in that Big game, that machine, series, right? yeah, that series went back and forth and controversial calls and home runs and walk offs mm-hmm. and all that. This series reminds me uh, an awful lot of that, and that that series won seven games. I, this one go, and I hope it does because oh, it there's is. a decent chance that Lance McCullers, Tampa's own. Lance McCullers would be on the mound for Game Seven for the Houston Astros, which would be totally story. awesome. But Johnny Holstaff's pitching the next two days for both teams. If you get a chance to win uh, Game Six, that's what you try to do. Verlander, right? Yeah, Verlander's going for uh, for um, for Houston. For the, uh, Houston, and I think Rich Hill, I believe, is going mm-hmm. for for the Dodgers. And and you look at that matchup, and you would think that that Verlander would have Verlander. the advantage. But then again, I thought give Swat Kershaw four nothing lead. Like yeah. they did in Game Five, I right. thought for sure that game was over. Well, then they way. get the, they get the slick baseballs, and then they, they go. <laughs> there you go. How about the Lightning? Last thing we'll hit on here: the Lightning win on Monday night, eight to five. I'm not sure John Cooper's crazy about this type of hockey, but I could watch it all night long. It's every time I look up, there's another goal being scored. They had they blew leads. It was they were up two nothing. They were up three one. Then it was three three, and then it was next thing you know, it's six three, and they end up winning this game eight to five. Although their scoring chat, Vasilevsky was the first time that he looked a little shaky. Then he gave up a couple of softies overall. But uh, this team's yeah, so I, much fun I, to it, watch, man. It, it looked like an NHL All Star game. I mean, <laughs> no, you know, it's just. I mean, I was waiting first one to ten wins, you know, and they, you know, Miami pulled their goaltender after five, and Vasilevsky. I mean, the poor thing about Vasilevsky, he's had a couple of these games now where like no one's playing defense, you know. Um, and he let probably one he'd like to have back, but it's not helping his average. What what is good about it is his is his winning percentage. Oh, I'm I mean, telling you though, this it's really high. This is so much fun to watch. It reminds me, and I'm not going to say they're the Edmonton Oilers of the '80s, but it kind of reminds me that that's how they play, where they yeah. leave their goaltender hang out to dry, like the old Edmonton team used to do with Grant Fuhr. But I mean, Stamkos is scoring goals, Kucherov scoring goals, Braden Point scoring goals. It's been a uh, it's it's Pilat had a goal. It, like every guy on the team, are like, oh my gosh, there's so much scoring. They're so deep. This is and a team how many that, months before the Stanley Cup? Oh, we got until uh, we got another five months to go. That's your problem. <laughs> That's there's the your problem. problem right there. The thing is, though, I believe they're they're motivated to last that long. I think they're having a blast right now with this, and it was good to see him come back at the, after they they lost. They, you know, they were going to lose away, eventually. Yeah. They lost to Anaheim, so it was nice to see him come back with a good performance on Monday night. Then they have the Rangers coming in on Thursday, so uh, they have a good chance. Their Rangers are kind of a struggling hockey team, uh, so the Lightning has a chance to keep keep this hot streak going. So we'll keep you up to date on that. We'll let you know what's going on with the World Series. Of course, we'll keep you uh, really up to date with what's going on with the Tampa Bay Bucks and Jameis Winston and his shoulder as they get ready to play the New Orleans Saints this Sunday. And if anything happens with the Gators coaching search, we'll be on top of that as well. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're here each and every weekday. You can find us on Twitter at Rick Tom Podcast, at NFL Stroud, at Tom W. Jones. Thanks to our producer, Steve Versnick. Happy Halloween, everybody. Enjoy the uh, holiday, and we'll talk to you next time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 